0: Hey, welcome to Applying Pressure. Applying Pressure is brought to you by The Final Piece, LLC. Here on Applying Pressure, we aim to educate our listeners, giving you information to help you graduate from just going through life to glowing through it. Pressure creates diamonds, so apply that pressure for your sparkling ending. I am your host Alicia. I hope all is well with you guys. Happy Friday. This is a bonus episode this week. You guys got a little treat. Two episodes this week. Great way to celebrate the launch of the parent company, the final piece, right? I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast thus far. And I look forward to building our relationship On today's episode of the final piece, we are going to continue our womanhood and the diaspora series. If you guys recall, in the first episode, we kind of talked about the origin of womanhood and the mitochondrial Eve, and we dove into the biblical Eve a little bit. Talked about that and how those parallels relate to womanhood and blossoming into a woman. On this episode, we are going to do a throwback. We're going to dive into West Africa and womanhood before the diaspora and see what it was like in the motherland for women before they became westernized. Stay tuned for more. Okay, so I want to kind of kick off and explain to you guys that Life as we know it originated on the continent of Africa. Africa is the motherland according to scientific evidence, both biological and archaeological. We also have historical facts to back this information up. You guys can do Google researches if you have had any type of classes, um, higher level classes in college, even some high school courses may dive into this. This is a proven fact. So this talk will be based on fact and not bias. My educational backing, as I mentioned previously, is in African American and African diaspora studies. So I am pretty well rounded in the topic of just African-American history and the diaspora. I also want to mention that we as a people, we as a black people had a life, a culture, languages, customs before we became African-Americans. When we were on African soil, we were somebody. So I wanted to, with this womanhood series, explore womanhood in West Africa, first to acknowledge our ancestors and acknowledge that they had a way of doing things before we even came to the new world and as we explore this journey even in the new world all right so we are going to take a trip in your mind's eye picture yourself traveling back to west africa And this is going to be pre-colonial times. So before Africa was taken over or inhabited by Europeans. This is the pure Africa. Africa controlled by different ethnic groups. Africa that celebrated black love, black life, black power, strength, black family and community picture that for a minute just a village supported by strong people now in this village is a strong woman by no means was the West African woman seen as weak she was not passive they were active participants in their society so womanhood from the beginning of existence in West Africa and even into black communities today the woman is the matriarchal presence she makes some big decisions she is well respected back in West Africa the woman had significant roles in society whether it be religious, political social and even economics they were prominent figures spiritually speaking um they were upheld they were equal to men there was no fight for equality the women or females had the opportunity to be rulers leaders anything else that they wanted to be in their society so The rules that are in place now were not seen then. These women were respected. They had a voice. They weren't afraid to stand up and say, hey, this is how it should or should not be. So I want you to understand that first before we dive into the essence of what a West African woman is. Keep in mind that These are just some commonalities between what womanhood was in pre-colonial West Africa because there are different tribal groups that have their own customs and beliefs, but we do know that women are upheld and strong in the community. So keep that in mind that this is just commonalities. These are not going to be hard fast rules for every single ethnic group and there may be some tweaks depending on what village you may travel to okay so you may ask when we are discussing these pre-colonial west african communities and the origin of womanhood and woman strength what made the woman equal because what we know today is In Western culture, a lot of times we're told that the man is the head and the woman is beneath the man and blase skippy. But the reason that the woman is held in such a high regard in these pre-colonial West African countries is because spirituality and connection with the God and the spiritual realm was an important factor of everyday life for them. And they believed that because God was a spirit he was neither male or female and as we know they did worship some other gods and ancestors and that sort of thing as well deities which played into you know their beliefs and with that being said they did believe you know that because God is neither a male or a female he has to be a combination or a balance of male and female forces to create human life so um, each of these tribes I'll mention um, they have different names for God the ethnic groups so um, you may hear different names as you travel throughout the region but I'm just gonna say God because I am from America but God he was just great He's, you know, above all, you know, as in any culture or religion, I should say. And with that being said, the reason that women were able to be in this power and embody such power is because God was in them. So society or the village or the community believed that that balance created an opportunity for equality. But... This did change a little bit when colonization took place. Western ideas came and interrupted the flow. But we will discuss that later in the series. But just imagine a, a place where equality, women can be in power and be, I don't want to say worshipped, but adored, respected, and not sexualized or Um, put beneath a man. And I'm not saying or negating the fact that they probably had issues or power struggles because it probably was there. But I don't think it was common because at the core of society was respect and understanding that we are created equal because we are created in the image of God. And that's just amazing. I think that that mindset and that Respect factor being the core is what held many African communities together, what helped them to flow so well. But I digress, let's go back into womanhood. So now we know a little bit about the spiritual aspect of why women were viewed as equal. We're going to talk about women and politics in West Africa during the pre-colonial era to understand the mindset and even just how politics was set up. Let's get into politics in West Africa during the pre-colonial era and how it tied into womanhood during this time. So, I want to start off by saying... Religion and politics have always been intertwined in these communities. Religion is at the core of most of what these tribes abide by or what they believe. So this will be talked about throughout this conversation. With that being said, the way that their rulers were selected, their kings, queens, and chiefs, was by divine right. They believed that these individuals were selected or ordained by God to run their communities. These individuals were also able to trace their ancestry back through what is called griots, or oral history, to some type of semi-divine figure. So they believed that they came from a deity or a god or a goddess and they were selected for this role now let's tie this into women so we are going to of course talk about the female spiritual principle and pre-colonial politics and the complexities of their political action during this pre-colonial time in West africa we're going to do this By first exploring and dividing male and female politicking in colonial West Africa to kind of get an idea or a comparison and a contrast of how things were ran by a man and by a woman. So, as I mentioned before, power was not foreign to West African women in this society, their position was to complement their male counterpart they weren't subordinate to him so they enhanced him and the power was divided equally between the man and the woman and what this is known as is a dual um political system and this dual political system each sex or each gender the man ruled his own thing and the woman ruled her own thing it didn't intersect they knew their roles and they played them so to speak so as i mentioned you know the political ties into the spirituality with that being said the woman and her female power was respected um as masculinity you know, was on a equal playing field, but the woman um she had a strength in most of these communities and judicial courts as being moral because women are known to be fair. Um a lot of times that's their belief in West Africa this would be a powerful place for a woman to hold. So the woman held the right to Basically judge. She was a judge. She ran the judicial system to compare it to modern society. She had the power and authority to order humans, so to speak, without challenge. So whatever punishment she gave was the punishment. She was the disciplinarian in the community. So let's dive into a bit of the governmental structure since we are discussing politics. So generally speaking in West African pre-colonial times, at the top or the head of the government was the queen and the king. So that and is important because they were both equally heads of the community. Under the King and the Queen were the Queen Mothers and the King of Paramounts. So these two roles are basically just the spouses of the King and the Queen, so to speak. Underneath those were a co-ruler. They had the joint responsibility of running the affairs of the state. Under the divisional towns, there was a ruler or a chief. Under those chiefs, there were sub-chiefs. So, I'm saying this to say that there was a structure. In this structure, women had a place and things were ran tightly. Interesting fact about one of the responsibilities of women in politics was the ability to elect the king. So, she was the royal genealogist. She was able to determine the legitimacy um, of the claims to the throne. So, as I mentioned before, genetics play a factor into this as well as the spiritual selection. So, the queen mother chose who was right for the throne. She had that authority to say which family or heir got this responsibility. The queen mother also was able to advise the queen, the king in all matters whether it was the state or their tribe, their traditions, their religions. She ensured that there were no breaches of traditions or taboo. And she was the only one that had the right to criticize and rebuke the king in public. So, this chick was powerful. She had all type of responsibilities, her own court. This lady was dope. Like, she, she ran the village, really. I mean, if she's picking, you know, who sits on the throne. Telling him what to do and what not to do. And then she's still running her own thing. Sis was bad. She, she was doing that. So other roles that women had politically were to strengthen the village and ensure that things were running well. So not just these higher women or the royalty. They also had women in place that took care of um, animals and harvesting and um, running just the village, making sure it was a tight ship, making sure the day to day things were going well, in addition to the women that ran the larger scale things. They had women that performed these rites of passage and different things within the community. So the woman really was, in essence, the core politically and socially within the community. They met together, you know, they had conversations to ensure that things were going correctly they had a hierarchy of, you know, appropriate ways to approach one another and approach issues within their society to create a better outcome. So now that we have an understanding and a mental picture of how societies were ran in West Africa and how essential the woman was to this, I want you to take a moment to think about The brokenness that may be going on in the continent um, now, you know, that colonialism has taken place and even in the diaspora, the brokenness and the inequality of womanhood and what it means now to be a woman and how the role of womanhood has shifted to the way that it was prior to the pre-colonial times. Now that I've given you a minute to kind of let your mind wonder and ponder on some possibilities, we are going to talk about briefly the effects of colonialism on the West African womanhood and their political structure. And we are focusing heavily on political structure because the woman was such a powerful force. That's essentially what she was. She wasn't just a mother. So, you know, let's go into this. Um, As we know, colonialism is the act of another nation, territory coming in and taking over. As we know, Africa was taken over by Europeans. Um, I believe the first Europeans to take over were from Belgium. And not take over as in participate in the slave trade per se but come in and penetrate the African interior the continent and this was called the scramble and the Scam- scramble of Africa if you don't know what it is you probably learned about it in like middle school but it basically was Europe different European countries coming in over time and Taken over, taking all of Africa's natural resources, not just their people and enslaving them, but diamonds, coal, all of these other wonderful things that are native to Africa, but are deficient on the continent now. And that's what happened. So back to the effects of that colonialism on women in their political structure. You know as these different countries came in these foreign powers began to rule the West African people most of the time without their permission and I know you've heard things like oh the Africans agreed to these terms or they agreed to enslavement but you have to understand that the terms that they agreed to and what they thought was going to be the outcome was something completely different because enslavement and exchange of power and trading power for goods and these sort of things was something completely different than what the western world turned it into it was nowhere near as perverse as the act that came out of it so this colonialism this ugly monster became the beginning to the end of equality between sexes in the village and politics and of course women suffered the greatest loss they began to lose their opportunities to take part in decision-making they were not centralized in society as they were before and the men they kind of traded to be honest because they started to befriend um, these colonial men these Europeans and be to try to be their friends so they can keep their roles of leadership, um, and took over roles and even roles that were women's roles prior to. So, basically, you could say the society kind of became corrupt in some ways, they lost their way, women lost their prestige, and the religious functions that took place in that were the centralization of society. They were replaced by this colonial rule so whatever instructions were given by the europeans it was law now and christianity came in and once you know all of this hit the fan the woman kind of fell to the wayside and had to get it how she lived so to speak when it came to the woman and her independence um colonialism took that away as well Um, Women were economically independent. They traded themselves. You know, they did the farming. They ran the animals, as I mentioned before. But when colonialism came into place, there was something that Europeans had that Africans did not, which was the cash cropping for rural markets. And the term cash cropping basically just means that you're producing a good or a crop for monetary gain, which that was not um, something that was common. That was foreign. So, the West Africans did not work and employ each other to make money. They traded, yes, to survive, but that was all. It wasn't about money. Money became king when colonialism took over. Colonialism also brought the importation of European goods. So there were things that the African women simply couldn't provide to you know, their villages and other villages to trade. So that money and the freedom kind of fell to the side once this came into place. So now that we have a little bit of an understanding about how colonialism affected West Africa, womanhood, and even Africa in general... The next time that we meet, we are going to discuss womanhood in the diaspora. So what did womanhood mean once the West Africans became enslaved? How did they have to reshape their identity once they hit the middle passage and went into Cuba and Jamaica and Brazil and Puerto Rico and Mexico and North America And they had to reshape their identity. So what did that mean? We're going to discuss that information next time here on Applying Pressure. Presented to you by The Final Piece, LLC. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to episode four of The Final Pieces, Applying Pressure. I look forward to talking to you guys again next week. Until then, you can follow The Final Piece on Facebook and engage in conversation about the podcast. We also have an Instagram page. You can look us up on Google. We have the Google page. And we also have a website, thefinalpiecellc.com. So any questions, comments about either today's podcast, or just the company in general, our vision, our mission for supporting individuals with diverse or special needs and young women affected by trauma, hit us up. Again, I'm Alicia. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, peace, love, and blessings.